Hello and welcome to the Indian Dream podcast, co-hosted by Sahil and Siddharth. On this show, we highlight the journeys of successful SME entrepreneurs who've built profitable businesses and attempt to learn more about what it takes to build one. Each week, Sahil and I will interview one such entrepreneur and learn something unique from their journey. At 23, with the desire to create a name for himself, Vidansh ventured into building a completely new business segment within his family business. He not only entered a new segment but also went to a different country to start this vertical. Over the last 5 years, he's grown his paper trading business to 15 different countries and recently returned to India for the next phase of his entrepreneurial journey. Vidansh has a very unique take on how he approaches the trading business. Over the last 5 years, he's also built a young and dynamic organization with the average age being less than 30. In this two-part episode, we first discuss what the future of trading businesses could look like, and then discusses unique hiring practices in the second part. Vedansh is an extremely articulate person, and his clarity of thought made this a very interesting conversation. So, listen in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Vedansh. Can you tell us a little bit more about Coniferous? So, Coniferous basically uh, was started by us, uh, by me. Uh, a couple months back when i just shifted to india and before from dubai so before that i started a a company in dubai called uh, artica international which is a paper trading company and we grew from uh, uae to about 14 to 15 countries in a span of 5 years so you guys are mainly into paper trading or what exactly do you guys do mainly in tissue so we ensure that tissue is not anyone's issue <laughs> that is a fantastic tagline Uh thanks for that Vedansh you moved to Dubai of uh, I think about 5 years ago yeah. and when you were in Dubai you started a company there so can you just can we go back to that time when you moved to Dubai what were you doing before you moved to Dubai so i'd spent 2 years after i came back from uh, college and i was just exploring options in india so i joined the family's business which is in hardcore paper trading so we stock and sale and we also manufacture and we do all kinds of stuff so before that i was just doing that but then i couldn't get a name for myself which is why i moved to dubai what was the this you know this growth path from ideation and then scaling up to the point where your division in your family's uh, business is about 10% of the entire revenue stream right so getting that first customer is easy but then after that scaling up uh, hiring all of that is not so easy Um, can you just take us a little through that journey? Yeah, so for the first uh, two years, I was working out of home. So I basically used to go and uh, visit each and every customer within uh, Dubai, and then start with Oman, and uh, slowly moved on to the other Gulf countries. I just kept meeting a lot of people, and then basically through networking, you kind of added on the sales, and then after that. when business started growing and it started actually uh, exponentially growing because tissue is an industry where people do trials they do container trials and then they reorder and then they keep reordering and then it's something that keeps getting fixed in their system so i don't need to spend too much time with a customer once i have them established in our system so once i start getting too many um, people established within the region then I started hiring people for coordination because I kept sales in my hand because that's something I'd really like doing. I don't like coordinating, so I don't like coordinating with mills. I don't like coordinating at all. I like uh, selling a lot. 
help me understand who are the customers i'm assuming the manufacturers are the suppliers the ones who actually make the tissue paper but who are the customers typical customers that you're dealing with in dubai so when we started off we were dealing with uh, the converters so the people who buy those big rolls uh, that we sell they cut it down and they make it into the boxes that you're actually using so that's whom we actually uh, sell to and today we also sell to the end user so we buy back goods from the customers on our books and then we sell them downstream again so now you're establishing your own tissue brand um yeah pretty much fair enough that makes sense i think another thing that you told me earlier is that you guys are really good at managing your working capital because uh, from what i understand you didn't get too much um, capital from the parent group and you grew it uh, in dubai on your own cash can you just take me a little bit through how you are managing your entire working capital cycle so basically uh, our parent group has a very good name in the industry it's just word of mouth that went around so after the first few people who dealt with us they came and visited us like my first customer metropolic when he came to india to wet me out so he flew down to delhi and then he met a couple of paper mills and then he inquired about us from all of them and they all gave us like a star reviews and saying that they can close their eyes and trust us so that word of mouth constantly spread in dubai and eventually spread amongst all our suppliers so as and when we start uh, we started approaching suppliers our suppliers started opening lines of credits towards us even though we never wanted it but they started opening credit limits towards us and to good some values and interest free credit limits that's how we actually start building our capital because we never needed it uh, we were never delayed in any of our payments on cash as well we were never late on uh, anything at uh, we were very transparent we never claimed we never did anything of that sort we were very very transparent on who the buyer is and a lot of companies are not that transparent uh, actually but i have a philosophy like i found everyone through yellow pages or through the web or through the expo data or whatever source of data that i actually took to find my customers so i feel that a manufacturer has more ability and more resources to get that data anyways so if i'm not transparent and if i keep hiding then there's a form of distrust that kind of keeps constantly builds on so when that distrust was never there to begin with they trusted us and they just opened up lines of credits so what you're saying is that as a trader you were telling the manufacturer who your end customer was yeah and we used to tell them how much we are selling for too because this is something i've seen quite often is that um, especially when you're trading you never tell your manufacturer who you're selling to because you're always afraid that um my manufacturer is going to approach my client and uh, just basically steal my business that i've worked so hard for my family also believes in what you're saying but like i said i feel that we're in a very open sourced world today i mean if someone wants to find the entire history of uh vedansh today there are so many platforms on which they can find it even if you're well educated in computers or you're not or whatever i mean there's so much of data out there that you can't actually hide anything from anyone anymore so the old school mentality of trading is where you used to hide the customer name but what i personally believe in is that you can add a lot more value as a trader by uh either uh telling your customers what the latest trends are so we actually believe in a lot of techno commercial sales rather than just selling the goods uh we handle all the shipping and logistics we ensure that goods don't reach during holiday season uh so that they are not burdened with damages 
we handle their banking part, tell them different ways that they can bank with the banks and enjoy better interest rates from the banks than they would enjoy from our end. So that way we kind of manage our customers quite well. So we become kind of a good advisory source for them. So that's why we call everyone in our company a solution provider. We don't call anyone a salesperson per se. Talking of solution providers, let's hear from our sponsors, Tally Solutions, on how they can simplify your business. Tally Prime, the all-new business management software from the house of Tally, will greatly simplify your life, adding efficiency to your operations and giving you time to focus on growth. The product comes with actionable insights available at the click of a button, which will give you the complete picture related to your cash, stock, and taxes, helping you take informed decisions. Visit tallysolutions.com or call 1-800-425-8859 to know more about Tally Prime and how it can simplify your business. Without, there's, there's, when you say that you are so transparent with your with your suppliers and, and on the one end, I completely understand that you're providing all these value-added services to the customer so the customer won't really budge. So there's that confidence when you're, when you're working with the suppliers. But there's also something that you're providing to the supplier. So where's that? What's that angle where you're very confident that, hey, I'm providing X, Y, Z to this supplier, be it, you know, the, the whole credit part or whatever it is. For him to say that, for, for you to be confident that he's not going to try and, and try and get to the supplier, so to the customer. the suppliers himself. we work with, uh, say, for example, the Chinese or the Indian suppliers, they are not yet that, uh, they are not yet that, I could say, advanced in the thinking process that they would like to go international themselves. A lot of them don't actually uh, travel. They don't travel and meet the customers themselves. Some of them can't communicate well. Some of them only know how to sell based on price. They don't build relationships and all of that. So I think uh, where we are successful to a great extent is in uh, relationship building and in relationship selling. But uh, more so, like a supplier would only sell to a customer because he's interested in the business, right? Like you want to sell your product. Like if Sahil manufactures something, he wants to sell that. But as a trader, I'm not interested. If Suppose I believe that what Sahil has manufactured is not a good fit for my customer. I will not sell it. Rather, I will tell my customer, please don't buy it even if the price seems good because I don't think it's workable. So, And even if I'm making a cut on it. So even if suppose Sahil says, I'll give you 10% if you sell it and I know my customer can buy it and I make 10% commission on it. But even if I make 10% commission and I know my customer is going to be in trouble downstream, I still wouldn't sell it. So somewhere my customer doesn't leave me for that loyalty and somewhere my supplier doesn't leave me because I bring about that transparency. But I'll find Sahil another customer where that might actually fit. When you say it, that makes so much sense. Um, but in practice, I've seen that it's not as easy. You know, you're always afraid because this is also a discussion I've had many times is that uh, I want to be transparent with my customers. I want to be transparent with my suppliers. And uh, something as simple as, you know, putting the names of distributors on my website. Um, I've had to have conversations about that. And a lot of people are not comfortable with it, especially when you're talking to, like, you know, pure salespeople. Uh, when I guess when you're talking to somebody like you who has a more overall perspective on what the business is and where the business is going, uh, you're a little bit more confident on your ability to bring that customer loyalty, bring that uh, supplier loyalty. Because again, a customer will not want to work with some random 
manufacturer just came out of India just saying that, hey, you know, I I supplied you with this last lot. Why the hell are you not working with me? Why are you working with this middleman who's taking how much of a percent, five, ten percent? It's difficult sometimes to be that confident. That sometimes being confident and forcing yourself into that corner that you have to make sure that you deliver the best experience to your customers and your suppliers then you are going to you know succeed in the long term well i think that's what you're doing you're because you're putting yourself in that corner you have no choice but to uh, give your suppliers and your customers the best experience that they can have yeah i think there are two parts to it right one uh, i think a large part about how vedansh was able to do it and why you know as he rightly pointed out his existing you know his family business might still might not be convinced about doing it this way is because he started something by himself he had that luxury of experimenting i think and behind that experiment as you rightly pointed out sail the techno commercial the advisory piece is so interesting for me right because generally what you hear traders doing just that right just trading like i'm buying from somewhere and i'm doing that as is to another place maybe i'm coordinating the logistics but the real value add is the advisory piece and once you add that i think that's where you can generate a lot of confidence that my customers is just not going to buy it at 10% cheaper from somebody else that's a large part to it i mean we have live examples where customers have flat out told the mills that we will not deal with you if you're not going to put uh, like a, an incident happened with a customer just a couple months back uh, so pretty much everyone gets a signal from it so what happened is uh, the mill allocated the customer to a different agent they asked another agent to service the customer because uh, they want they were thinking that our business is uh, growing too fast uh, for them for their comfort levels basically so they wanted to de-risk themselves and pass on some of our business to another agent so they said that why don't you handle this customer and we'll take it off from uh, our company but the customer flat out said he's never going to buy from them again because he said unless uh, we are involved he's not willing to buy so as long as you can give your customer security i think your customers will never leave you and as long as you can give transparency to your suppliers your suppliers will never leave you and in today's day there's nothing like literally the only suppliers i probably wouldn't like telling my mill is if i have someone in a sanctioned country that i'm doing business with but apart from that i think most of the developed countries like the middle east or uh, most of eastern africa or southeast asia almost every single business is on the web So if suppose a supplier actually wants to find out who my end customer is he can easily google on like I think sales business too like if suppose someone wants to see who's been awarded a contract there's so many websites on which you can actually see who's the contractor who's the person uh, who's the end company so example I have a friend who's in oil and gas in uh, Dubai so you exactly know who's doing which project for Adnock you know who the contractor is you know who the uh approver is and you know everything so if you're not going to be transparent then people know that you're hiding and you only hide when you're not confident right yeah and actually what you just said is completely true we get the information on who's doing it online and then we approach those contractors but now talking about this transparency as a trader do you not feel a little bit hesitant because now every, everything's online all the manufacturers are online and what is the role for a trader going ahead um it seems like the role for a trader seems to be this logistics and advisory role um since everything is online since everything is on india mart or alibaba or any of that 
So a trader ultimately, again, my family hates me using this word for ourselves, but I think a trader today in today's world is a financer. A trader is nothing else than a financer. I mean, uh, a mill or a supplier is given security that his money is going nowhere. A customer is given security that whatever is going to happen with the material that's been delivered to him, the trader will actually take responsibility of it. Often suppliers don't take responsibility of it. So a trader is somewhere like a financer on both ends. So he finances the mill by paying them up front. He, uh, but in our case, we don't. But in most cases, a, a trader actually pays the mills up front. Or, and he finances the customer by extending them a line of credit. So I think going forth, a trader is ultimately going to be a goods financer. So even uh, when customers pay us late, for example, or suppose they exceed their payment terms, they exceed their payment limits, we have very harsh penalties. And when a customer denies paying it, I ask them just one simple question. What if it was a bank and where you exceeded the payment of your credit card? Would you not pay the entire amount to just get your credit rating scored ham- uh, hammered? And that's when actually customers actually agree and then they start paying us our dues. Is a very interesting perspective. First question on that is that in order to be a financer, you need to have access for cheap to cheap capital. And obviously, um, capital in India is pretty expensive. Where do you suggest people get the access to this capital? And uh, how, how, how can a trader be a financer exactly? Actually, all the capital is from India. And India is not that expensive. So if you see the Middle East, the Middle East is more expensive than India in terms of uh, lending rates. So the lending rates that we enjoy from our banks is much better than the Middle East and even the bank charges. So often people ignore the bank charges that come along. But if you see the bank charges in India, it's almost insignificant. Whereas in Middle East, it's almost about 1% of your transaction value. That way, if you see India is actually a good place to source your capital and all of that from. Secondly, most of the customers that we deal with in our industry are people who can't generate a lot of capital, for example. So say, for example, their banking limit might be for $10,000, but they need material worth $15,000 every month. And they are good paymasters. It's not that they don't pay, but it's just that the industry is so low valued uh, downstream that they can't generate that much capital by themselves. So that's where we kind of add value. But most of our business actually is done uh, on secured payment terms because the industry is as such. As such, uh, in our business, the only value that a trader actually puts in is his ability to source. That's it. So ability to source and the financing aspect. And the logistics, because in our in tissue per se, we are, we are very light in cargo. So we only load 12 tons in a 40 feet container. So we are very, very light on cargo. So a logistics need to be spot on. The most interesting thing that I heard from that part that you said where trader is a financer and I've I've thought about it for a while now. That is that is essentially the most important service that the trader is providing today. And the fact that you accepted that and you saw that for what it was is also probably why you you were able to go beyond and figure out the advisory piece and figure out the consulting piece, figure out the relationship selling piece, right? Unless a trader accepts the fact that you are at the end of the day a financer. And you are replaceable if somebody with with more money and, you know, have some decent, decent connections at the customer and comes in, you are replaceable. I think you by addressing it and, and changing the question itself on how do we really stick uh, with our customers? Were you able to figure this interesting piece about value added services? And I think that is probably going to be the future of trading 
if trading is is to happen in india and if somebody has to really sort of make a lot of money in trading you have to add that value add on top of it that's why i said unless you actually add value in any business that you do that business is of no use if i don't add value i'm always replaceable right like i mean the next big guy on the block will get it people keep changing all the time so if suppose he has a better supplier relationship than we do then i'm easily replaceable at any given stage unless you add value in any business even as a supplier unless you add value in your products unless you constantly innovate unless you constantly look at being sustainable uh, in all dimensions i mean i believe there are five dimensions to sustainability but unless you are sustainable in every single aspect you will never be ahead in the game 